Good morning, one and all. I am Jeb Bond, and this is episode number two of The Angry Author. Today, I want to talk about something that's one of my biggest passions uh, outside of writing, naturally, which is hockey, and the fact that for the first time in a decade, the Carolina Hurricanes are back in the playoffs. That's right. You did not hear incorrectly. You have not gone insane. After a decade-long absence, the Canes are back in the playoffs. So, what I want to do is just take a, a quick overview of the season. Um, not delve too deep into too many stats and things like that. Just touch on a few things that stood out to me this year. Um, first off, naturally, uh, last year, the Hurricanes got a new majority owner in Tom Dundon. Uh, after the end of last season... Uh, Franchise and NHL legend Ron Francis was let go from his position as general manager. Uh, after a quick search, they brought in Don Waddell, uh, previously of the Atlanta Thrashers, also spent time with Detroit. Uh, and Bill Peters, uh, of course, opted to uh, basically decide to opt out of the last year of his contract and took over the job in Calgary. So that position, after a little bit of speculation, was filled by another franchise legend, or at least uh, their time here in Carolina, with Rod Brendamore. Everybody knows Rod was the captain of the, the 06 Cup team. Uh, great player, very dedicated guy, workhorse. Um, now, I will say that uh, early on in the year, you know, the team was having some issues with consistency, which was... Nothing new to this fan base. Um, you know, people were calling for Brenda Moore's head, calling for him to be fired, calling for Waddell to be moved out. Uh, naturally, and thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, as both of them made an indelible mark on the team. Uh, and first, I want to touch on that with the general manager. Last year, during the playoffs, Don Waddell made a move that most people didn't even pick up on when he acquired Jordan Martinuk from Phoenix, or Arizona, sorry. Um, you know, Martin Hook's a guy, good defensive player, brings a physical edge, uh, put up 15 goals this year, played in all 82 games, great heart and soul type of player, and one of the kind of players that you have to have not only to get to the playoffs, but to actually have any success in the playoffs. Um, another, of course, <clears throat> a couple of big moves in the offseason, uh, after a lot of the speculation, Jeff Skinner was traded to Buffalo for, uh, for a pick, or a few picks and a prospect. Prospect uh, has since been moved on to Florida. But, uh, you know, not going to delve too much into that. But it was a situation where a fresh start was needed for both sides. So, we are where we are with that. The other big offseason move, of course, was Elias Lindholm <clears throat> and Noah Hannafin being shipped off to join Bill Peters in Calgary in return for Dougie Hamilton and Michael Furland. Um, you know, Furlan, uh, another guy, kind of, you know, uh, basics along the lines of a guy like Martin, physical, not afraid to get in the dirty areas, uh, with a little bit more scoring upside. Uh, he did miss a few games with injury this year, but uh, he is also the type of guy that you really want to have on your team during the playoffs. Just go look up some highlights of him and his time in Calgary in the playoffs, and you'll see what I mean. And then, of course, the season gets underway. There's ups and downs, but um, actually, you know what? Even scratch that. 
let's go back to before the season, preseason. Um, you know, Scott Darling, who we all know struggled really badly last year, um, had had a decent showing in the preseason, and then was injured, I believe, around uh, October first, October second. So Waddell had, you know, another option. Well, you know, what am I going to do? He had signed Peter Morazic to a one-year deal in the offseason. Um, so Morazic, of course, you had a young guy, struggled later in his career with Detroit, got traded to Philadelphia, you know, didn't impress them enough to earn a new contract. So he, he opted for a one-year deal to, to show his worth and to show that he could still play in this league. So that's one goalie down. With Darling being out, and you know, originally they were they were saying you know a couple weeks, season's getting ready to start. Do you want to bring up one of the guys that you have in Charlotte in the AHL, or you know do you take a chance? Hit the waiver wire. There were two options: Calvin Pickard, Curtis McElhinney. One young goalie, one veteran. Waddell opted for the veteran McElhinney. Uh, who then joined his seventh team since coming to the NHL and had a very, very strong season and, and played a very large part in the Hurricanes being where they are. Uh, I mean, when you look at, at the goalie numbers, Morazic was 23-14. and 14. Uh, McElhinney was 20-11. and 11. So they were, they were pretty tight in the win-loss. Uh, Morazic had a slight edge in goals against with a 2-3-9 to McElhinney's 2-5-8. Save percentage was very, very close. Uh, Morazic just did edge out McElhinney with a 9.14 compared to a 9.12. Again, something this franchise has not gotten consistently in the last decade is, you know, not even spectacular goaltending, and that's not a knock on either of these guys, but just the fact that they got something that was at least the league average, which goes a long way. Uh, and we, we see how that played out in the end. Um, now getting back into the season, there's two things I want to point out with with Don Waddell. One, naturally, arguably the biggest trade of the season for this team is when he shipped Victor Rask to Minnesota for Nino Niederreiter. Now Rask, you know, as all the Hurricanes fans know, had struggled um, early in his career. He like he was, you know, on pace. To, to be a good and productive two-way center. Um, did have some injury problems over the years. Had a kitchen incident, sliced his hand open. You know, he, he you know he had a couple of issues. So, again, you look for a fresh start. Um, he gets shipped out to Minnesota, uh, where Niederreiter comes back the other way. Um, Niederreiter, a former first-round pick of the Islanders. Uh, good size. And... Uh, and, and good scoring instinct. A lot of people in Minnesota felt that he was underachieving. He wasn't playing up to his potential. Um, once he came to the Hurricanes, though, his impact was uh, immediate. Um, in in just, um, let's see, he played 36 games with the Hurricanes and put up 14 goals and 16 assists. So 30 points in, uh, in 36 games is not too shabby. Definitely another reason why the Hurricanes are where they are right now, which is on the brink of going back to the playoffs. Um, now, you move from Waddell being brought in as GM to Brendan Moore being made the coach. And I know right off the bat, a lot of people were second-guessing the decision. They saw it as just another internal hire. 
something that was not going to work out in favor of of uh, the Hurricanes. Early in the year, you, you could kind of see some justification because of the inconsistency of the team. But the thing that a lot of people overlook was just the relative youth of the team. Yeah, we do have some, some veteran players, but there's a lot of a lot of youth on this team and a lot of youth in roles that are critical to the success of the team. Um, but, you know, right off the bat, Brendan Moore showed probably the best decision he could have made, which was naming Justin Williams as team captain. Everybody knows, you know, the, the, you know, the joke it became having co-captains last year. And that's not me knocking, uh, you know, Jordan Stahl or Justin Falk. I've got nothing re- but respect for both of them. Um, you know, Falk had a great bounce back year this year <clears throat> and uh, actually led all Hurricanes defensemen in assists. Uh, you know, Jordan, unfortunately, had concussion issues, but he came back and the team was completely renewed. He played like a beast down the stretch. Um 55% on face-offs, which is, I mean, you wouldn't expect any less from him. And he's another guy going into the playoffs that uh, is going to play a big, big part in the in the success that this team has. Um, of course, with uh, Justin Williams coming in, we get to the biggest notoriety that the team gained outside of Raleigh, outside of North Carolina, outside of our, our dedicated fan base. Uh, getting international attention with the storm surge. It started with a win against the Rangers at PNC. The players lined up. They did the skull clap. They skated the far end of the ice and leapt up into the boards. And everybody's like, okay, well, you know, that's that's cool. Even John Forslund was kind of caught off guard. He's like, well, this is, you know, this is something new. Uh, and I don't really think that, you know, any of us fans at the time knew that it was <laughs> it was going to turn into what it became. Um, you know, a lot of people loved it. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was great seeing that extra level of engagement with the fans at the end of the game. Uh, and then on the flip side, you had the people that absolutely thought it was the worst thing that has ever happened to the game. I don't really need to name names, <coughs> Don Cherry, <coughs> but um, you know, there there were detractors. Um, you know, ninety percent of the ones that I saw were people on Twitter or Facebook that I have I have no idea who they are. Don't really care. I'm never going to meet them. They can live their life. I'll live mine. But then you got Don Cherry, former uh, was a player more well known as a coach of the Boston Bruins, very flamboyant, very out, you know, outspoken. Uh, and you know, uh, he inadvertently created what became a rallying cry for the fans and the team when he called them a bunch of jerks in reference to the storm surge celebrations. But, you know, that's that's another thing to, to get into maybe at another time. The big thing is just going back and looking at the season. Um, when you look statistically, and like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Um, of course, to nobody's surprise, Sebastian Ajo led the way offensively with 30 goals, 53 assists, uh, and 83 points, all of which were career highs. He led the team in goals and points. Uh, he was, however, beaten out on assists by Tevo Teravainen, who had 55 assists to go along with 21 goals and 74 points. So, or I'm sorry, 76 points, which was a career high. Um, then, of course, we had Andrei Svechnikov, the no-brainer number two pick, came in as an 18-year-old, 
uh, played every game, put up 20 goals and 17 assists. Uh, you know, typical of uh, of a rookie, especially at such a young age. He 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 had some hiccups, um, but I mean, overall, he showed a willingness to to play a very North American power forward style of game. Not afraid to lay a hit, not afraid to take a hit to make a play, not afraid to go to the dirty areas to go to the front of the net. And he's got a hell of a shot. I mean, that's a guy that just turned 19, you know, I don't have everything right here in front of me, but I know it was within the last the last few weeks. So, I mean, there there's a very, very high ceiling for him as a player. Uh, then the, the, aforemis- bleh, the aforementioned Justin Williams, who all longtime Kaniacs are familiar with from his previous tenure with the team, culminating in the, the 2006 Stanley Cup championship in which he scored the empty net goal that, that sealed the deal on Game 7 in Raleigh. Uh, you know, I, for one, was incredibly excited when he re-signed last year, or when he came back to the team. Uh, great veteran presence, great choice to be team captain, uh, and he contributed with 23 goals, 30 assists, and 53 points. And what got me is looking at the numbers, it was his best point total since the 2011-2012 season when he was still with Los Angeles. So you're talking about seven years, and he's not at a point in his career you know, where you expect him to have a huge skyrocket up statistically. So the fact that he, you know, you know, got back to the level play that he's known for. And, of course, he built his reputation, Mr. Game 7, playoffs, clutch goals, everything that he that needs to be done for the team, he will do it. Um, so that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, I just want to touch really quickly on some of the, the defensive numbers. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, who was acquired uh, from Calgary over the summer, of course, off to a slow start. There were questions whether he would fit in with the team. He looked out of sorts a little bit. There were even rumors that he would be traded, um, you know, for maybe help it forward, bring another young defenseman up from the AHL. Uh, Second half of the season, just like the Hurricanes as a whole, uh, Dougie Hamilton just sprung to life. Very noticeable on every shift and not in a negative way. I know most fans were, were constantly clamoring for him to be on the first power play unit. Um, I'm not going to say whether or not I was involved with that, but, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, you know, Dougie rounded out with 39 points from 18 goals and 21 assists. Uh, he led all the Hurricanes defensemen in goals and points. Uh, right behind him was the reinvigorated, rejuvenated Justin Falk, who had 35 points, 11 goals, 24 assists. Um, as I said, he led the all defensemen in assists. Uh, with Falk, you know, he he still did have a couple of the brain farts that that he's shown the last the last couple of seasons, which is unfortunate. But overall, his game looked a lot more well-rounded. Um, if he could just keep keep that shot of his on net more often I mean it, it would be a night and day difference especially especially on the power play but we're not going to talk about the power play because I don't feel like looking at anything really negative right now so we're going to skip over that um, Jacob Slavin who you know most people especially fans of the team consider to be the de facto linchpin of the defense <clears throat> Finished up with uh, 8 goals, 23 assists, and 31 points. Uh, tying his career high with those 8 goals. 
So uh, a strong season from Slavin. He had a, he had a couple of miscues throughout the year that were uh, let's just say unslavin like, but overall he had a very strong performance. And uh, you know, rounding out our our top four, of course, is Brett Pesci, who broke in with Slavin, who you know has become a very critical and important part of the Hurricanes' defense. Uh, he set career highs across the board offensively with seven goals, 22 assists, and 29 points, and a record-setting plus 35 for the year. And when you look at the Hurricanes' uh, goal differential for the season, which was not an incredible amount, and then you look at uh, you know one of their top defensemen posting a plus 35 is astounding. I know there's a lot of people that don't like the you know the plus-minus stat. It's fine. It's still it's a very very impressive stat, but uh, you know through through the ups and downs of the year, mainly ups after 2019 hit, um, you know we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory, which is back in the playoffs. Uh, all that work earned us a first round matchup with the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Now, granted, the the season series between these two teams was incredibly one-sided. Um, there were games where the Hurricanes played well, but they weren't able to pull out a victory in any of the games. That said, the regular season doesn't mean a damn thing once you get to the playoffs. And I can say that with some extra confidence because when you look at the, uh, whether you like to call them advanced stats, fancy stats, whatever you want to call them, both on the offensive and the defensive side, the Hurricanes are far above where Washington ranks in almost every one of the categories. You, you look at possession numbers, you look at uh, shots allowed, things like that, the Hurricanes stack up incredibly well. The difference that comes into play is actually finishing, putting the puck in the net. And of course, you know, for years now, the Hurricanes have not had a potent offense. We've got good offensive players. We've just never had enough depth with the offense. Uh, and, and to kind of highlight that, when you look at uh, 20 goal scorers, the Hurricanes had four 20 goal scorers on their roster, which is not bad. You know, that's not bad. There were a few other players that were within a handful of goals of getting there. But, you know, for the sake of this, we're just looking at 20 goals or more. Of course, Ajo led the way with his 30. Um, but Washington had seven 20-goal scorers. And, of course, they were led by Alex Ovechkin. Nobody's surprised. It's old hat. You know, there's no no shock in that whatsoever. So, you know, almost twice as many 20-goal scorers in your lineup, that makes a big difference. You can spread around your offense, and you know that you've got more players that you can consistently rely on to put the puck in the back of the net. That's not saying that the Hurricanes don't have the skill, that they don't have the fight or the desire, because they do. I have no questions about that. Uh, another offensive stat worth looking at, um, just from a, a pure number standpoint with the stats, is 50-point players, uh, where the Hurricanes boasted three to Washington's five. So, you know, you've got guys that stretch across both categories, uh, but with Washington you also have... Um, you know, one of the greatest passers in the league. And those assists, you know, you, you have enough 20-goal scorers in your team. You've got a guy that can that can find them with the puck in, in the high-quality areas. It's going to be trouble. 
So that's something that the Hurricanes are definitely going to have to focus on, keeping their defensive discipline, um, playing at even strength. You know, cannot afford to take a lot of penalties against a team like Washington because even if you're up in a game, that can be enough of a, enough of a momentum shift. God knows, I can't even talk today. <laughs> enough of a shift in the momentum to swing things out of the Hurricanes' favor. So you got to do your best to stay at even strength. You know, draw some penalties. You know, like I said earlier, we're not really going to talk about our power play right now. Don't really want to get into that. Um, but another thing is, you know, Washington has got a guy that is is regarded as one of the one of the better goalies in the league, in Braden Holtby. Uh, didn't have the best season this year, and actually, statistically, when you look at goals against and save percentage, was bested by Peter Morozik. I'm not saying that. You know, on the whole, right now, that Morozik's a better goalie than Holby. He had a better year statistically. Um, did not have the offensive numbers in front of him that Holby did. But then, in fairness to Holby, Washington's defense has not been, their team defense has not been stellar. So, that's another thing that plays into the Hurricanes' favor is when you look at the Hurricanes' very high rankings in possession numbers versus Washington's not good team defense numbers, there is room to apply that pressure. Um, the biggest question is how effectively they'll be able to do it. And by that, I mean, of course, how often are they going to be able to find the back of the net? Everybody that showed up in the regular season has got to double their effort. Um, guys that maybe were a little bit off in the regular season, which uh, there weren't many, honestly, uh, that finished the year with the Hurricanes that had off years throughout the year. There were ups and downs. Um, but, I mean, they, there can be no lapses in judgment. There, you know, you, you have to slow things down when you can. Don't rush plays. Don't rush passes through the neutral zone it, or anywhere on the ice. I mean, that's – and I, I, hopefully there's some of you that agree with me. There were – Many games this year where the Hurricanes were just, their passes were terrible. They were rushing plays. They would get a puck along the boards, either throw it up the middle, throw it up the boards, and and not really pay attention, uh, not really display any situational awareness. So they would end up getting turned over. They would be, uh, you know, a step ahead or a step behind the intended pass receiver. Uh, and that's not indicative of the talent of the team. It's just that mindset, you know, take your time, slow it down. It's a 60-minute game. You know, make your opportunities. Don't neglect your defense. Don't neglect the defensive side of the puck uh, and let the offense come from that. Make Washington play under pressure. You know, force them into turnovers and take advantage. Don't, you know... Don't rush and put yourself into a bad situation. And that's, that's one thing that, that shot shot the Hurricanes in the foot a time or two this season. And, I mean, honestly, what makes the difference between them having finished as the first wild card team versus, you know, third in the division, maybe even higher, when you look back at, at some of the stretches where, where those problems really plagued the team. Um, I mean, that said, you know, they did finish with the second highest point total in franchise history. So going all the way back to the Hartford years, they had the second highest amount of points. And I don't think I need to tell anybody else that the only team that finished higher was the 0506 Stanley Cup champion team. Even our last playoff team in 2008-2009 uh, finished with 97 points compared to 99 this year. So the team has got the potential. They, they had a very solid season despite some of these shortcomings. Um, 
you know, d- despite, you know, various issues that popped up. I mean, I-, I cannot complain, even though I did a lot of it during the year. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, but there, there's definitely hope for a solid playoff showing. Uh, of course, you know, being a Canes fan, I'm going to call the Canes in the first round. Washington's a tough opponent, and my initial thought was to go with a seven-game series. Something inside of me is just saying it's going to be in six. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, mentally, I'm not sure if there if there's going to be a lot of lopsided scoring games, if there's going to be a lot of, you know, tight checking games. I mean, with the Cavaliers, you wouldn't think so, but, you know, it's twofold because the Hurricanes team defense has been really good. If they can hold those key players on Washington check, the flip side for the Hurricanes is they get a lot of offensive opportunities. Will they be able to finish with any consistency? If they can, then I definitely think it tips the series in the Hurricanes' favor. The two biggest things that the Capitals have is their scoring depth, led by Ovechkin, and the fact that they've got a goaltender in Holby who, even though he didn't have the greatest season, is a Stanley Cup champ. He's a solid goalie. You know, they're, they're going to have to get to him as early and often as they can in the series and set the pace. They cannot afford to sit back and let the Capitals bring the game to them. They've got to get out there uh, and dictate the pace of the game as early as they can. Um, but I, I'm going to, like I said, I'm calling it, I'm calling the Canes in six. I'm not going to throw out any scores because I just, that's not my style. But, uh, I definitely think that, uh, those in the hockey world that, that, that didn't get sucked in by the storm surge, didn't get sucked in by all the, the hoopla surrounding everything like that, uh, or the, the great run this team had in the second half of the season are going to start to take notice of this team. And that, that bodes well for us moving forward as, as, as things should only get better. So we have more young players developing, ready to come up. Um, but that that's for a different conversation about the future. We're focused on the playoffs, which gets started tomorrow night as of the recording of this. Um, but I, I thank you guys for listening. That's all I've got for you for right now. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to visit my website at uh, www.jebbon.net. Sign up for my newsletter. I'll send you a free ebook because I, I am a writer after all. We're talking hockey because it's one of my passions, but I'm a writer. Um, but yeah, visit the website, join my mailing list. I only send out maybe one email a month, two if I'm feeling a little bit frisky. You'll get a free ebook out of it, and every so often I like to go out of my way to give. Uh, you know, to give the people that, that are signed up to my newsletter little added perks and things like that. So if you have a minute, check it out. But uh, I hope that you all have a great day. Let's go Canes. Knock those caps out in the first round. Get it done. I'll talk to you guys soon.